Welcome to the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Real people, real stories, real talk. Greetings, realists. Welcome to this episode of the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Heather. How are you doing? I am pretty good. How are you doing? Let's not ask me that question today. <laughs> but you're happy to be here, right? I am so happy to be here. And maybe one day I will tell you all why I'm going to funk today, but <clears throat> that's for another time. So yeah, I am super stoked to be here today and to talk about some pretty interesting topics. Uh, this was an eye-opening week for me in the world of uh, yeah. documentaries and biopic type movies. I'm learning so much about famous people. Like I'm right. Kelly, I'm letting it in. You know, I this is like it's like a hot goss week, but also <laughs> like really major, major like just life weird stuff yeah, and yeah. famous people, weird, famous people stuff. Yeah. And you know, I'm not a famous, You're not a famous people person. Type of person. You no. don't know anything about anything. I don't, <laughs> but that's what I'm, I'm, I'm cracking the door. Um, I'm actually fascinated by Britney Spears. So I know I don't, I, I cannot get behind you on that, but like, maybe we'll talk about that at some point. That's Just a different I know conversation. You're so obsessed. I, I see a woman hurting who I think was abused and that's my thing. You know, I get into yeah. that, like, because I want to learn more about how that happened and then how we can prevent that from happening and um there's legal stuff so it makes me interested that's how I even started getting interested in that I was like wait because I read about what a conservatorship is and I'm like mm -hmm. she doesn't qualify though like so anyway okay, that's just so a teaser we'll talk about Brittany another time um but for today we've got a much more disturbing situation yes uh Jamie Spears has got nothing on the people we're going to talk about today all right. So, so what are we talking about, Heather? It feels funny to even say it. Army Hammer? Right? <laughs> like, why is that a name? Right. And okay. <laughs> so I want to tell you, all right. So I have always followed, well, not always, but I've, you know, followed the Hollywood gossip stuff for a while. Oh, yeah. Well, um, you lived there. You I were like there. in it. Right. So... I remember when Army Hammer was first kind of a thing, or I'm okay. assuming he was first kind of a thing. And the only reason I know is because this is kind of when all of the Hollywood gossip started being about people I knew nothing about, you know? Uh, yeah. And yeah. so, and I just remember like, I, it would be Army Hammer this, Army Hammer that. And I'm like, who the F is Army Hammer? Like, what a yeah. dumb, like, I always just assume he was like a fake person because what a dumb name, right? Yeah. Like, what a dumbass name. So, and I would see his pic, like, people would just talk about, like, how dreamy he was and see his photo. And I'm like, I still don't know who that guy is. Like, I've never seen anything with him. I have no idea who he is. So I remember hearing about him being in things. I have never seen anything that he's been in. And then 
I started hearing about him last year. Like mm-hmm. I remember like being pregnant and mm-hmm. looking at all the juicy gossip. Like, so I listened to a podcast called Juicy. And we talked about it and on I, it, this podcast. And again, it's one of those things. It's like the Amber Heard thing where I'm like, I've now watched the documentary. I'm so, because I kept hearing about all of the stuff, all of the the rumors and the stuff that, like, I kept hearing a lot about him on the gossip podcast mm-hmm. I listened to. Um, but I still, I was only half interested because I'm like, that's some weird shit. But I still had no idea who he was. Yeah. And even after watching the documentary this week, I'm still like, wow. But I still have no idea who he is. It's very Amber Hurdy to me because I'm like, mm-hmm. I know so much about this person. And yet, why do I like this could be a person that I saw at the grocery store because I have no idea who they are on like a fame celebrity level like they are not famous in my house um yeah at all so it's really super weird and way less in my house we have no clue who this person is like like we we weren't even familiar with that name because obviously if you hear that name it would stick out Mm -hmm. and I feel like now that I've learned about him uh I've never seen the social media movie social network social network i've never seen yeah that. me neither and i've never seen death on the nile which is the only two movies i could place him in never even and heard I... of death on the nile yeah so anyway i think you know more and so you can elaborate once again i'm gonna come don't here really i don't just feel like with... I know how there are a much of all i feel like you probably know more than i do so like I all put... i've done is watch the documentary okay so here's a discovery thing. i knew that the documentary existed and I saw it and it was suggested to me and Mm -hmm. um so I put in the notes that we should maybe talk about the army hammer hammer documentary and then you watched it before I had even watched it um (laughs) I assumed you'd already watched it so I I, and I was out of things to watch so I was mm -hmm. like okay I'll go watch this and I was hooked into it immediately because it's all about family and history Mm -hmm. and it explains the stupid name which I am very yeah. grateful for. So here's the thing too about explaining the stupid name is that the explanation is even creepier and more stupid than like if it had been like an actual name. Like his great grandfather was named after the arm and hammer from like the Russian f- freak flag thing. Like what? That well, his great grandfather was, was a like a communist, like a communist. And he not only a communist, he was like a full-on like secret spy, shuffling money for like he is everything bad. And at a time when like Russia is like not not, ev- not again, once again, the it's world's enemy. Move. What a weird time to be ca- be to be a cannibal. Like it is a bad time <laughs> to like put your family's name like in the spotlight. Yeah, but I mean to name your kid that. Oh my god! And then to not only name your kid that, but to name your great grandchild that in like the world that we live in now. Mm-hmm. That is, it's just so bizarre. So bizarre and like to and then to be famous to be famous and not go "Mm, that's a weird name to have I should probably change it for my fame name you know especially if he didn't want to be associated with his family for like celebrity okay oh but what I was going to tell you is the stuff that I was hearing on the podcast that I listened to for so long was not at all even what they focused on in the documentary. Mm, so I feel really? like I watched like two, I feel like I have two different conflicting, not conflicting, 
but okay I feel like so I think everybody knows about this situation by now right like something I know because I watched the documentary because you put it on the, the I mean the show notes <laughs> all we need to say and then if you're interested because you hear us talk about it you can go google it or watch the documentary it's only like three three episodes three, three short episodes yeah um there's army hammer he's an actor he mm-hmm. a bunch of allegations came out about him because he was doing some really weird sex shit like mm-hmm. he and and um, provably like in black and white on text messages yeah like so, so it's not like he said she said type allegations and right and here's the thing i don't actually even like again I remember hearing a lot about the tweets like a year Mm -hmm. ago Mm -hmm. but I can't remember a lot of them so the things that I remember hearing about are the fact that he branded at least one woman with his initial the Mm -hmm. fact that he after she said she didn't want to be branded (laughs) um well the documentary in the documentary she just she simply says that he asked where he where she would like for him to put his initials or something and she just didn't say anything yeah and so he just did did not consent um so i say like did not consent um it's a pretty big ask i heard about i I feel like you want to wait for but the thing that i mostly heard about was the part where he was telling all these women that he knew a doctor in la that would take out their ribs for him so that he could eat eat their them. ribs <laughs> and i mean Heather, that's not normal no you know? no like that's just not that's not kink that's like jeffrey dahmer you know yeah so um can i can i throw yeah. something out here because i think we're gonna go we're gonna go way down the rabbit hole but just as a starting point i have a preconceived idea based on my experience i've grew up around a lot of really rich people and interacted with them and then also was really poor so had like this weird diversity but then I studied a lot about like how wealth affects people and I've really come to this belief that once you get so much money and you could do anything because you could buy anything you could buy a child you could buy an exotic animal you can like there's nothing you can't do you can have your own island full of children and exotic mm-hmm. animals and nobody's going to mess with you and so i believe that when you live in that when that becomes your normal for so long and especially when it's the normal through generations the level of fucked up and i'm sorry for the language but that you become because nothing's out of the realm of possibility well, it's like you just have no perspective whatsoever there are no boundaries mm-hmm. at all from like a very 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 young age um and you see this a lot like so his aunt um mm-hmm. casey mm-hmm. Um, she actually was on the podcast that i listened to like a year okay. ago or something like that because she and yay for her for talking out yeah like, she wrote a book about their family before all of this army hammer stuff came out um and you know you can say what you will about whether or not she's just trying to make a book um i think that's totally i think well i think that's totally possible i just am not sure that it's relevant um there is a story to tell and i think that it needs to be told oh yeah so and she and it's very clear that 
she put herself in a lot of danger by coming mm-hmm. out and, and speaking about this. Um, but I mean, she even talks about like, when you talk about sexual abuse or drug abuse or anything like that, when, you know, a lot of people can relate to this. If you grow up in a household where that kind of stuff is happening, then you don't have healthy boundaries about those things. Mm-hmm. You don't have healthy boundaries, you know, and we've talked about this off camera a lot about with like sex work and stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the people who get into this, it's healing. So, okay. I, I'm not getting into this. All I'm saying is that the comparison I'm making in this particular situation is sometimes things like that can be healing to individual people because they grew up in such a crazy situation where they had absolutely no boundaries around sex yeah. that like creating specific types of boundaries, even if they're crazy ones, gives them more power because they did not have any when they were growing up, you know, and, yeah. you know, same with like drugs or alcohol or, you know, just any of the mm-hmm. stuff that we're supposed to have boundaries around, you know, just to, re- just to be healthy and human individuals. Um, yeah. you know, just, I mean, anything, anything. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I think that's like, you're totally, I'm, I totally agree with you about like people who have just like so much money, like, once you that's the thing is that like absolute power corrupts absolutely or whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but and that's you know they also say like money doesn't make you a bad person it like gives bad people like the ability to be even worse you know and I think that that's the situation here with this family you know you've got people who there are a lot of rich people who don't Mm -hmm. suck you know, there are a lot of rich people who aren't like absolutely horrific people. Okay. I don't know any of that them. That are not cannibals, maybe. I don't I would know hope them. But I, would I hope know that Oprah feel, is not a cannibal. Right. I feel fairly certain that it's real. You know, the reason yeah. that you don't know them is because there's no reason to know them because they're off doing all their silent charity work and like, you know, making people's lives better and, you know, just living their lives as opposed to like trying to eat people and raping them for hours and hours and hours at a time and like, you know, trying to control people. Cause again, that's like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Off no, that I'm, tangent, I'm but... with you a hundred percent on that. And I think last year when we talked about army hammer and I knew nothing about him and you were saying like stuff about cannibalism and I was like, I can't even process that. And yeah. it is really difficult to think about it if it's just like in a vacuum where he's the only person but i'm glad the documentary took this perspective of saying nope let's go all the way back to the original armand hammer mm-hmm. um and i'm i'm like the whole time i'm like does anybody here not want to talk about that this is the name of a baking soda that we all probably have <laughs> in our cabinets right and i researched it and there's literally no connection between armand hammer and the company but Arm is there a connection hammer. between Arm and Hammer, the company, and Russia and communism? Like, am I going to have if, to stop using Arm and Hammer? If there is, they've buried it so deep that I can't find it. How do you I bury actually that, did research though? it. Like, it, how do you bury that? It's so it's so obvious. It's yeah, so obvious no. that it's well, a, that it's a I, secret. I I mean, okay, so like I've had Arm Arm and Hammer baking soda in my house my whole life mm. and I've always thought of like because like they portrayed as like a muscular arm with the hammer that's going to do like the hard work it's it's about like being a hard working product because baking soda does everything like it's yeah. not just a baking ingredient I mean right? that's true 
it cleans things it you can make a volcano out of things like I mean you're basically describing Russia right now (laughs) So. so anyway I mean and hey if anybody out there can find some deep dive connection between Armand Hammer the company and Armand Hammer the son of the communist leader person then help me here because I want I want to make the connection because to me it's so obvious and it's really crazy too because I also feel like watching this documentary I feel like we were supposed to know who Armand Hammer was okay how did I not know I was alive in the 80s but I've never I've never seen never heard of him I, I didn't know that like he was like BFFs with like Prince Charles or King Charles III um I didn't know that he was like BFFs with like all these Hollywood people yeah Diana's eating dinner with him or that he was like you know funding all these charities and all of I look I you know I watched the documentary and I'm like I know Occidental Oil but I don't even know that much I was like how have I never heard of this I don't think I've ever actually heard of it I think it's one of those things that you know sounds familiar when you hear it but like I mean I've heard of Exxon I've heard of Shell I've heard I haven't ever heard of any of this shit and so it's like it's really interesting to me all of these rich people it's like i never heard of jeffrey epstein before all this stuff but it is also here's what's weird too that like arm and hammer not the baking soda like obviously had dealings with the royal family right because he Mm -hmm. you know he hosted um the now king and you know princess diana when they came out to do something Mm -hmm. um and then Prince Andrew has all those connections with Jeffrey Epstein. And you know that Armand Hammer has Jeffrey Epstein type connections. Oh, yeah. There's just oh, like yeah. so much. And here's the thing it's really frustrating because I genuinely do not want to believe that everyone that has anything to do with these people is bad. I want to believe that sometimes you just get like caught up in them and then you're like, whoa, uh oh. You know, we didn't have anything, we had no idea. But how do we know? that like everybody it's very Illuminati-ish in the way that it's just like Illuminati Truman show you know in the way that it's like all these rich people are connected and and we don't like they just like it's really a web Mm -hmm. of interconnectedness that like I think we'd all be shocked if we knew the truth about anything that I can agree on and we will never know the truth about anything no no I mean I think Jeffrey Epstein was just a small like pinhole oh yeah momentary view we got into something like I said I've had this belief for probably most of my adult life that yeah there is just this massive level of corruption that goes all the way up and into the money well, and I, like I was telling you the other day, and I I mean this for real, because I used to listen to this, um, and I'll get hell for like mentioning Tony Robbins, but like I used to listen to this Tony Robbins thing that was really, really good. It was like an hour long about our relationship with money. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize that like, I have a 
really bad relationship with money that began when I was like in elementary school, listening to how my parents talked about people with money, yeah, much more so than people without money, because I started to like associate people with money with like something I didn't want to be. And guess mm-hmm. what? I became someone without money. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's very interesting, but it was like a really... I don't know. I just find that very interesting because I've always felt like in order to get, have the type of money that these people have, you can't be like an honest person. You can't because you have to walk up, step all over people and not care about anything, but getting the money, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like, I think that you can be a person with some money Mm -hmm. and be like a good person or an honest person or whatever, but that stops at a certain point because at a certain point, you have to stop caring about other people and you have to start caring about just getting money if you want to keep that money. I mean, it's yeah. it's like politics. Like I genuinely just don't believe it's like there are certain po- politicians that I like more than other politicians, but at the same time, I feel like being in politics is a job that like a genuinely good person wouldn't even want to do. Yeah. You know? So uh, can I jump in here really yeah, quick? Because I, I want to say something. I actually always thought I would end up in something with politics like I would make my career on sub you know topics Mm -hmm. I was passionate about issues that I saw needed work and then you work your way up to the legislative branch of that where you're actually making the laws my grandfather was a politician I was raised in politics so to me it was like a natural progression And to some extent, like, so when I was in high school, like I really wanted to be the first woman president of the United States. And then like in my twenties, I realized you don't get there by being a good person Mm -hmm. all the way around. Like it's not possible. And so then I think I've spent the last like 10 or 15 years thinking like I'll get involved in local politics more. And I just wanted to say that like in the last year, I've just been like, no, I do not want to vie for approval from people so that I can get a position that then gives me some power to do something when we all I think recognize that the people that have the real power are behind the scenes and are not up for election at all Mm -hmm. so I'm much more interested in like and not in a nefarious way but I'm much more interested in like how do I influence the people that put their whole lives like I don't want my life out there under scrutiny my children or whatever. I mean, politics has gotten pretty. And it's not just politics. It's like any kind of like nonprofits or anything like that. It's like, usually the person who's the head of the nonprofit is not a great person at all, you know? And so it's like, and I've worked for a lot of nonprofits, so I know that's a fact. Um, And we were just talking. (laughs) So like, I had this moment last week where I thought maybe I should just be the executive director of this nonprofit that I think is not working right. And then I'm like, I don't want that job. That's not what I'm good at. I need to find where I'm good. And then I need to put all my energy into that. So I just wanted to throw that out there that I think that I'm going to, I'm choosing right now that I'm going to go with my ethics and my morals Mm -hmm. and I'm going to just keep fighting the good fight because I'm agreeing with you. I don't think you can get to any level of power or money respect type upper echelon deal 
and be able to retain all of the ethics and i don't think it starts out that way and i think that a lot of times the reason that the people like a lot of times exactly and i think that a lot of times especially with like and i I can speak about nonprofits because i have the most experience there a lot Mm -hmm. of times they start out with someone who has a really great idea and they're really positive and like go get her about it but then they realize well in order to do this you need money and how am i going to make money oh i have to please particular people who have money and how do i please those people by doing things that may are not necessarily what I started out to begin you know and it's just mm-hmm. this whole downward spiral that like and then in the end that person who is you know running that nonprofit is incredibly bitter because they mm-hmm. see and you know I think that a lot of times too gosh this is like a whole podcast in and of itself but we should yeah. I am noticing the older I get that you know in a lot of ways I am I definitely see where my, like my parents or my grandparents were coming from in that like you start the rose colored glasses start to come off and you start to see how the world really is and really works. And, you know, those, the, the idealism of young people, it's like, you kind of have to have, you know, it's crazy because young people think old people suck. They don't get anything. They're old. They don't think anything will ever change. And old people don't really respect the young people because they're like, nothing's ever going to change. You're wasting your time because (laughs) as you get older, you know, and you kind of need both of those things, but you need someone Mm -hmm. in the middle too you know and it's like you do realize as you get older that like you know going out and like protesting or like doing a lot of things that like the young people get so excited about doesn't actually change anything you know it doesn't none of it matters at all and the stuff that does matter make like you usually do have to like really compromise almost so much that you're doing something that's very different than what you started out to do and it's it's really depressing and it's sad and you know I don't think that I don't know. All right. That's, that's another podcast. We'll put a pin in that. And we'll talk about that some other time when we want to be depressed. I want to say one thing that it's like, it is open to you. The realities of the world are open to you in stages. So like Mm -hmm. elementary school, everything is fantastic. By middle school, you start learning about the Holocaust and you're like, whoa, people in the past were bad. Yeah. And then high school, you're learning more and more. Well, now in my forties, I'm like, still learning the like I'm still getting like mind blown by how much bad stuff I've well, not been aware of but then I also but I also realized too the older I get that it's like I see all this bad stuff that I never knew existed before but I also can see some understanding and how some of those bad things happen it's like yeah. right now I'm hearing a lot of this stuff like all these people you know there are all these people who are super glad that Queen Elizabeth's dead because when she was 25 and became the leader of like a bazillion places she you know like sort of helped push this imperialism thing and it's just like okay well, let's give you a monarchy at 25, you know, let's put you in front of the world at 14. And you are now like a queen, a queen at 25. You know what? You don't even know, you don't even understand that concept because we don't have that. We don't have any of that. And a lot I feel of people sure don't you're have just being told what to and do you don't know by a bunch of old white and men. Then, well, and it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter. Like oh, the world is so yeah. different. The world was so different. And it's just like, you cannot look with your eyes with everything that you see right now and everything that you've been told and everything that you think, and then look back at this particular thing and know exactly, and, and you think, you know, exactly how things should have been, you know, it's just like, um, 
I don't know. It's just like, I see stuff like that all the time where I'm like, all right, so this happened. I can't condone that. That's not great. At the same time, I can understand why this happened and this happened and these things happen and why these people feel this and this, you know I mean? It's just like, I feel like a lot of times I see young people being so gung-ho and one-sided and not able to see the big picture, you know? And it's very frustrating. And I think that a lot of times older people get very frustrated with that mindset um, because it's like, like that whole young people don't know anything. Cause I like, sometimes I find myself and I'm not that old. I find myself, you know, listening to, to younger people. And I'm like, um, you don't, haven't even had a job yet. Yeah. Like, shut up. <laughs> like, you young you me, literally young know nothing about it. I wanted nothing to do with this yeah. society. And I knew that if I bought into it, even for a short mm-hmm. period of time, that it would get its claws into me and yeah, sure enough at it does. 42 I'm like hook line and sinker like we need to play by these rules we yeah. need to fall in line with this situation and there's a reason though that I feel that yeah. way now like I you're talking about our grandparents what they were trying to tell us like I see so much now mm-hmm. I wish my grandparents were here so I could tell them that I get it yeah and, same and it and there's something magical that happens I think at 40 and the problem with my grandparents is they were over 40 my whole life yeah and I was under 40 my whole mm-hmm. life and I couldn't see the yeah. way the world looks from like I I'm curious like what happens after 50 and after 60 like do yeah. I get more like downloads of crazy information from like the like, history books <laughs> that's the crazy thing about being a parent too because already now like I have a baby already now I can see the stages of his life unfold and I know mm-hmm. when he's going to hate me when he's going to think that I think this or think that I think you know and all of these things and I think how you know I think about all of the people in my life that I've lost already and how sad it is that you aren't even like mature enough or evolved enough to have a have a real conversation with those people until they don't exist anymore you know because it's just like you have to learn in it I sometimes I think it's a real shame that I waited so late to have a child because there's so much growth and learning involved in like having a child and being a parent and seeing things through their eyes and seeing things through like your parents and your grandparents eyes and like knowing like well I do I want him to know this but I also know what the world is going to throw at him and what he needs to know, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just like the way the system and by the system, I mean the circle of life, like the way yeah. that the whole universe works is really, I mean, we're like, it's tricky from the get go, you know, like mm-hmm. it's hard. It's, yeah. it's really, it's made gets you life will kill you, man. Um, <laughs> All right. I okay. To take a break and, take and a break. get back on get back on track. We're gonna get back on track. So we'll finish that conversation before we jump to the next. So let's take a quick break and we'll be back in just a minute. All right. So we're back. Okay. Back to Army Hammer. So let anyway, me, this guy. Let me jump in here. So <laughs> okay. We have this guy, Armand Hammer, giant oil tycoon, has this depraved son julian hammer mm-hmm. i still can't keep all love. these people straight 
So he didn't love him because he was the son of his first wife, who was Russian. Who was Russian, and right. I think Armand Hammer wanted to really disassociate from that. So he doesn't love this son, Julian, and the Julian guy is married to Casey's mom, right? Mm-hmm. Casey, the the lady that kind of was the whistleblower of the family. That okay? So we've got Armand Hammer, then you got Julian Hammer, then you have Michael Hammer and Casey Hammer are his kids. Mm -hmm. And then Army Hammer is the son of Michael Mm -hmm. Hammer, right? Okay, so that's the lineage. And I think really Casey is the one that opens up the depravity, right? That when her mom and dad got divorced and she would go stay with her dad, Julian Hammer, he just was having basically like 24 hour like sex and drug parties with young girls and inviting his son michael or i guess this was just life yeah so michael lived with him full-time casey lived with their mom but and i think they didn't get along either julian and michael yeah yeah but apparently that didn't preclude michael from the festivities so you gotta think think that i also think that armand was mm-hmm. sexually abusing julian mm-hmm. and then i think julian sexually abused casey and michael as well okay that's from that's what i gather from what casey wrote in her mm-hmm. book i can believe it because again when we're talking about like because it's sort of like building on yeah each other like armand i think is and there's sort of lots normal, of drugs yeah and like armand and, is just and physical run of the mill abuser right Mm -hmm. he's just abusive but he's got a lot of money and he wants to control everything he's like recording people's phone calls he's like telling people where they he's always like and then julian julian was the one who was always pulling a gun right Mm -hmm. yeah pulling a gun beating their mother all the time probably Mm -hmm. beating them yeah yeah i mean he wasn't a good guy yeah he like i think they described him as like psychotic like he Mm -hmm. was just an absolute lunatic but an alcoholic had been abused by the father Mm -hmm. Armand right so then Julian basically becomes like a single dad with Michael and they're just living in what I can only imagine is like the most like perverted eccentric form of living that you could imagine and what is this like the 60s 70s something like that so which was a really messed up time period anyway yeah i mean just in a general sense but if you you know are the son of this oil tycoon and uh and all you've got is money because your father doesn't love you and you don't have any real family or any connection to the world you just do what feels good all the time that's what Mm -hmm. i see like people that have never found any enjoyment or anything that brings them a feeling of success or you know like I I think they get stuck in this like pushing the pleasure button Mm -hmm. all the time I see it like at work all the time and so I feel like it's a lot of untreated mental illness it's a lot of Mm -hmm. unprocessed child trauma well that's what it is too it's like people who have no idea how to process even the most basic Mm -hmm. emotions or feelings so they just numb out all the time yeah and I want to say that like a lot of the people that are in that position we see them every day they're homeless and they're just on the streets 
you know, begging for money or doing stealing, whatever they need to do. To, it is to not or even drugs. that, like, it is not even remotely that extreme. Like I have been in relationships with people who did these, these things, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it is not even that extreme. Like lots of people mm-hmm. just don't know do how that. to, a lot yeah, of just people, don't know how to do it. Like, else. it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's really easy to grow up in a household. Like we see it, it like we see it in little ways. Like you grew mm-hmm. up in a household where someone didn't express their emotion or didn't express their emotion well. So then they produce children who don't know how to have yeah. emotions. And so, you know, it's like a trickle down and we see it in these little ways, but then these, these uber rich oil tycoon yeah. people, it's just so overblown. So it's That's like every bad thing you can possibly imagine. Yeah, exactly. Because the ability to do harm when your only coping mechanism is to hit the pleasure button and you've got unlimited access to funds, I think really crazy things can start to happen. And I mean, like we've heard about it with like addiction to porn, right? Mm -hmm. Like once you start seeing this, then suddenly you want to watch that. And then, Mm -hmm. and then like, it becomes crazy. Uh, Chris Rock talks about this in, in his standup. And the things that like you have to keep going to in order to keep hitting the pleasure button, basically, yeah. right? Like, it's just like any drug addiction. Uh, it, you, it, you're not happy just having sex with one normal aged woman at a time. Like, it's got to be more and younger and more mm-hmm. perverse and more intense. <clears throat> so I think that's what we are getting about what julian was doing and then exposing michael to and then i don't know if we get a lot of information about the relationship exactly between michael and army Mm -hmm. but i can only imagine that it just amplified exponentially yeah because michael was trying to play like do good or christian and we know that that's code pretty much for the most depraved type of people at least that's my experience yeah so so then we get army who's like i'm going to have to eat people in Mm -hmm. order to continue reaching that level uh where you know maybe his grandfather just needed to molest his young daughter or sleep with you know orgies of young women while doing drugs armies at the point where he's having people's ribs removed so he can eat them and carving his initials into their bodies without consent and not only that it seems like, like a natural progression he has like a fake instagram account not a fake Insta- his real mm-hmm. instagram you know like the one for his friends where he has like a fake name is Mm-hmm. I mean, he is just like for the world to see if they choose to find him, you know, doing drugs, driving 140 miles per hour down the road, high on speed, like doing all of this Drinking. stuff <laughs> on a public website, you know, and yeah. like, yeah. and doesn't even, it doesn't even occur to him that this might be a bad thing or the fact that like all of these women that he is doing this with are women that he finds online now that is really like a normal a normal celebrity Mm -hmm. you see this okay so you see this a lot with these men who have been canceled and i'm i say the word canceled jokingly because it's a joke but like 
you know, these Crystalia type people who, you know, they're, it's the people who don't care. Arm Hammer. Now, uh, let me go back to what I was going to say. A normal person who is famous or has mm-hmm. a really prestigious job or something like that is not going to just be messing around with common folk because you don't know whether that particular person is someone who's going to sell your story or tell, you know, tell the world everything yes. that you've been doing with them. You're going to be really particular. so careless on his behalf. Like why? But that's would... what I'm saying. Normal people would be very careful. Mm-hmm. You have to have a totally different level of like narcissism um you know like you have to really feel like you can get away with anything and that's what happens Mm -hmm. when you see a lot of these celebrities who you know slide into the dms of 16 year old girls or whatever and like are Mm -hmm. asking for naked photos or whatever um which is what happens with a lot of these canceled guys who who are like why am i canceled blah 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 and it's like Mm -hmm. you have like you really thought you could just do like just slide into anybody's DMs and break and all I these think, laws, you know? I think that there was, before the <clears throat> internet, like before sliding into DMs was the thing, I think it was probably so normal that you could just say things to people. We weren't, I think that there was this not quite yet fully understanding like how the internet saves everything forever, how like you can't just delete an app, like even Facebook. I mean, we had this conversation a few weeks ago about your Facebook. Like did the yeah. Facebook really delete you? Yeah. Did it really erase everything when you said cancel it? Yeah. You know, because we know that there are servers and there is the ability and that there's actually a great deal of interest in saving everything entire youtube channels exist to preserve everything that anyone does in real time on social media that's popular you know a popular person so that when they go back and delete it it doesn't matter Mm because it's already on youtube and now millions of people are talking about it it can never go away let's go back to britney spears she's like recording things posting them deleting them and it doesn't matter because thousands of youtubers thousands of instagrammers and tiktokers have already downloaded it saved it and commentated on it it's going to exist forever now so mm-hmm. there might have been a learning curve for the uh abusers on that but yeah there, i think there's also a sense that there's no accountability and i've got enough money and this is what bothers me that moment that i realized that if you have enough money oj simpson i think was the moment that it occurred to me if you have enough money, you could kill two people and still get a not guilty verdict from so I'm a glad jury. that you brought that up, Heather, because mm-hmm. part of the Army Hammer gossip. So there were these bodies that were found like out in the desert. And part of the Army mm-hmm. Hammer gossip was that police were actually um, looking into Army Hammer. And it was a couple. It wasn't just a woman. It was a man and a woman. They were uh, looking into the possibility that Army Hammer had something to do with it. Totally now, can I see think that was really people. shot down. But like, but I can see him killing I, people. Right. But like, I, I like that was part of the, the story here yeah. was that like, he is so crazy. And mm-hmm. it, again, it's just, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to use the word crazy because it's not like, you know, a diagnosed, like 
mentally ill. No, this is totally and completely because this guy had more money than he knew what to do with. And he grew up in a family where you could disappear people and no one cared. His father, wasn't it his father who like actually killed his friend and didn't even like there were nothing happened. Remember he shot his friend over a debt and nothing happened to him. He murdered his friend. Oh, wow. There yeah. was like a, a, um, a poker debt or some stupid oh. thing. And his friend brought it up and he, it was in a documentary, um, like a $400 debt. And he actually <laughs> shot him and he just called his dad and was like, killed this guy. And so I was like, I'll make it go away. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, I, I was in and out at some of the parts of that documentary, but that sounds possible. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I really do feel like it was OJ where I was like, okay, if you kill two people and you hire five lawyers, then you can get away with it. Mm-hmm. Then you can go on to write a book called How I Would yeah, Get Away With This it. is how I would do it if I did it. <laughs> this is exactly yes. how I would do it. It happens to be exactly how it happened. <laughs> and then you would later only go to prison because you tried to steal, steal something? your Heisman trophy or something like that yeah <laughs> only in a world that caters to the absolute richest people you know is that the reality and mm-hmm. and I realized and I and I think I even had a moment where I was like okay I can I work in the legal field cases like I will look at cases so cases just happen boom 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 plea bargain, plea bargain, plea bargain, public defenders, district attorneys, judges, like everything is so simplified. And then you'll like read a case and like a judgment and be like, huh? A private attorney. If you put even a little bit of money into the legal system, I mean, like a few thousand dollars, you're guaranteed a better outcome than the person who can't pay almost Mm -hmm. every time. So it's not even about being rich and famous. The whole system is set up that you, you pay your way out mm-hmm. of situations like if I or if my husband or anybody in my family was to have any heat of any kind I would just go pay a lawyer immediately to fix that I've done it before because that's what they do and not having money is a it's like a death you, sentence it's like yeah it's how you fail in that system mm-hmm. so I know for a fact that the legal system is built on money it, it's inherently built on money and so if the legal system which is supposed to be like the fair and equitable like justice is about you know dealing out retribution fairly no it's about dealing out retribution to those who can't pay well it's right? like how, and so that means every system must be corrupted by money but that's how opinion. like human resources like your hr person you think that's the person who's supposed to like make everything better for you but the hr person is really just there to make sure that the company doesn't get sued they have yeah. they don't care about you at all in fact they care less about you than anybody else that you work <laughs> with um and it's frustrating again because who's their employer it, it's a frustrating Not some outside agency their employer is the person you would be battling against yeah and it, that it really is right. it's like that moment and then maybe that's part of growing up that's when you become an adult that moment yeah. where you realize wow the system is completely against me unless mm-hmm. I become a horrible person like I have to become a horrible person and do horrible things in order for the system to not be completely against me. What choice do I make? You know, um, and I would because say there's if I like choose, a grace, 
there's a grace period. I think, I think you can be a good person and live on the lower end of the financial spectrum. And like, I'm a public servant. I work for the government. I really but that's do what feel I'm like saying. Like I work I feel hard like, for that. Yeah. I feel like I have always been so broke pay- because I refuse to kind of buy into the system. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like the system yeah. does not, because I refuse to buy into the system, the system does not buy into me. And it's know? so funny because my grandparents, I think their whole lives that I was a- around, they were trying to tell me Heather, you've got to buy into this Mm -hmm. system. You've got to at least be moderately successful in it or it will destroy you. Yeah. And I was like such, but then I have my mom who's like so Mm -hmm. anti anything. Like she, she would say that to me. Like she was so anti the status quo on every level. She would do the different thing just to be different. She would, she was just a a rebel. She just Mm -hmm. wanted to rebel. And so I had that bred into me, even though my grandparents were like trying to teach me the way. And I felt like it was well into my thirties that I was like, yeah. oh, okay. There's a reason why my mom is at where she's at. And there's a mm-hmm. reason where my grandparents were at where they were at. And now that I'm getting older, I'm recognizing that one of these paths is much harder and much more painful and does yeah. not equate with peace and happiness yeah and, and my grandparents like were just trying to tell me that this they just wanted you reached, to live a good life yeah, yeah we've reached some level of peace and happiness although we struggled they lived through the great depression they struggled yeah they were like we want you to skip all the struggle and go straight to the peace and happiness i had yeah. to still do the struggle but well, now i see like i okay. fought the system I think too long and now it's too late yeah. for me. I'm, all, I'm, I'm now, Kelly, I'm I will bring you back. Um, I will save you. Cause I mean, and, and, you know, a lot of, you know, and I struggle with that daily. I struggle yeah. with, you know, like I remember, you know, as I was getting older and being told you have to go to grad school, you have to go to grad school and thinking, I'm sorry, why in the hell <laughs> I go way into debt Mm-hmm. to go to a class that's like high school level class to get a job paying what I make now <sighs> like none of this makes any sense Kelly my you whole know? adult life has been about paying for a piece of paper that I didn't need yeah. I mean so, that's like that's the system that's the system and you either have to buy into it so I yeah. mean you you know the problem though is that you really don't learn a lot of the things that you need to learn to have a good life until you're very old so you yeah. have to you know, I did know people, you know, in high school whose parents had done a really good job of either brainwashing or informing their children about yeah. which path to take. And I don't know if those kids as adults are happy that they took that path or not, but I know that they don't ever have a problem paying rent yeah. or, you know, their mortgage. So, you know, it's just, it's a, anyway, army hammer back to Let's, no, let's, I love that this one topic of Army Hammer, it's sort of mundane. Yeah. Actually, though, is a catalyst for so many other great conversations. Yeah, it's true. You know? We could just talk about them forever. And I really want to get to the thing that you want to talk about because I'm really excited about that. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to say, let's just cap Army Hammer here. I think more will be revealed i think yeah, let's say you, you guys like go watch the documentary and tell us watch what you it. think he's doing the rehab tour he's i think trying to play the role of like i'm reform i recognize what i've done wrong but not quite to the extent that these women are saying like he's definitely downplaying it 
but uh, he he is on the rehab tour of you know what he's living with Robert Downey Jr. or something. Which Robert? Yeah, I mean, I don't know on. how rehab you can get from like being mm. a rapist <clears throat> and a cannibal, but oh, is I there mean, specialized maybe that's rehab a thing, for that? You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm skeptical that rehab is going to work for him. I think like with most of these rich and famous people, um, Jordan Belfort being one of them, uh, the Wolf of Wall Street guy, like I think that going and doing that rehab tour and the redemption story is just the next step in how they get to continue mm-hmm. being total rich monsters. Yeah, but I agree with you. We'll continue that conversation. No one's taking his money away. Another so. day. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, I would love to come back to this, but I've got another They're moving along super pressing issue. Kelly, we need to talk about Elvis. Okay. You, you know, I am always ready and willing. To okay. So Elvis. let's, let's prep our, our people here. Kelly has been like a light, like she was the most dedicated Elvis fan. Elvis wasn't even alive when we were children. I think he died the year I was born. 79 something like that yeah so he 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 didn't even live during our lifetime no (laughs) (laughs) but he was this larger than life figure he i mean like everybody still i mean my kid knows who elvis is and loves Mm. some elvis songs and there's this like romantic love affair that i think that people of any generation have particularly with that young elvis you know the one that was in the movies which is interesting because that's not my favorite elvis is that not your favorite because that's the elvis i can connect with and i couldn't understand why or how he even became this other person and then i don't connect with the later elvis at all i actually connect with the later elvis old elvis was always my favorite so tell me kelly so i am and we say old elvis when he was like 42 okay so i just want to start this whole thing by i am 42 Mm -hmm. the last time i heard where you probably told me when we were like 12 like how old elvis was when he died i was like well that's kind of old like ish okay so then i didn't think about elvis again for 20 30 years yeah and the other day I watched this movie, Elvis, uh, starring Tom Hanks, which is the only reason I watched it, because I okay. don't actually care about Elvis, but I love Tom Hanks. We will continue revisiting anything Tom Hanks related on this podcast <laughs> because I love him. Like who does I love him more. I and can't more. trust people who don't like Tom Hanks. And <laughs> I will be really new... upset if I find out that he was like in the Jeffrey Epstein frame. <sighs> He cannot. He cannot. All right. Let's just like not even once, go down. Let's not put that out into the into the. I feel universe. like we once had this thing like or this bond over Michael Jackson, and that was ruined. So now yeah, ruined. Tom Hanks. Like yeah. I'm putting all my chips in the Tom Hanks basket. <laughs> Tom Hanks, don't let me down. I don't love you. Ruin it. Okay. I appreciate all the work that you do, and I think he excels at playing real people mm-hmm. who have a story to tell that yeah. people don't know about. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can name, I can think of so many examples of him doing real stories. Um, Sully, the guy that landed mm-hmm. the plane uh, in the Hudson River, that pirate ship movie about yeah. Somalia, the Captain <laughs> yeah, Phillips guy. So he good. played another captain from World War II. Like, I am always here for Tom Hanks doing mm-hmm. a realistic story. So while I'm not really here for Elvis, I'm here for Tom Hanks playing 
some person that was relevant the to the Elvis. And I, I want to tell you, I started this movie with the most naive version of Elvis possible in my head okay. and knowing nothing more about this Colonel whatever person than he was his manager. I knew nothing. Like I knew nothing. Knew nothing. Okay. And so all I know is that there was this young Elvis, mm -hmm. right? Who did the like hip thing mm -hmm. and girls went crazy. Mm -hmm. And then he did movies and mm -hmm. girls went crazy. And then he went to war and girls went crazy. And then he came back and he kind of was like immediately. He did most of his movies after he came back. Oh, okay. Okay. So he did see, a couple of my timeline. the movies that he went before he went to war were actually more of the serious ones. Oh, okay. Like, and then he came, he, when he came back, it was when he was just churning out those musicals. Okay. So movies, movies, then suddenly it just seems like he goes from that to being like this guy in sequin jumpsuits doing Vegas shows. And like mm -hmm. that never for me was something that resonated I and it felt unnatural mm. as a path with someone with his background like and then we know about like Jerry Lee Lewis who I loved the movie about Jerry Lee Lewis that Dennis Quaid starred in back when we were kids and I felt like gave us this great about picture about all the like you know how he and, married but, his 13 year old yeah. cousin yeah. <laughs> but it was written from her perspective and so I think it gave this much more like not glamorous view so I, I felt like I was raised with a Jerry Lee Lewis who was real mm. you know and then in Elvis world I only had this fantasy version but it could not understand why it ended with lounge act and choking to death on a sandwich on the toilet at 42. Okay, he didn't uh, choke to death on it okay whatever. that's not how he okay that's okay. not how that I don't down. even know <laughs> see um, that's how little I know yeah. that's how okay. th so I just wanted to prep you guys I knew nothing at all yeah about Elvis before watching the movie Elvis and I've watched lots of documentaries about Elvis at Graceland with Priscilla like it's all glamour and great at least that's the way it was portrayed see, to me. and, and we I'm just kind more of, of like the person who's like if you don't know the entire Elvis life history and all of the explicit details, then I don't even want to talk to you about Elvis because you're not no. worth my time. So you've never well, talked to me about Elvis because I, mean, I do like, not fit that. That's where I'm at though with yeah. people because, you know, and I feel like that about a lot of things where if, it, if it's something that I'm like really, really into, if someone doesn't know anything about it, then it's just kind of like, I'm not the right step. Like you need a stepping stone. <laughs> I you know? needed a movie so that I could talk to you about this. And I haven't seen this movie. So we'll, you know, I want to go ahead and say that I haven't seen it. Yeah. I actually, and it's really interesting what you've said about it because I've had zero interest in seeing this movie because I feel like I know so much yeah. about the story of Elvis. Cause I mean, I remember reading very inappropriate you know um books about elvis you know from in yeah. elementary school wow and like i remember like there's this this one woman who claims to have had a 24 year affair with elvis and had claims that her daughter is elvis's daughter i read that book that she wrote when i was like seven 
you know, I mean, I read this the book. like this literally sums up our childhood. Like you I, were reading Gone with the Wind at like eight multiple was. times a year. Yes. Like we were watching the what was it, the Diary of the Confederate Widow yeah. at like nine. The oldest like, living Confederate every, Widow. Yes, like, like everything was like inappropriate, older totally men. inappropriate. And I remember, I mean, I read the book by Larry Geller, who was Elvis's hairstylist and spiritual advisor. And oh. he had lots of really interesting to say about all that time in the chair with Elvis and all the stuff that Elvis yeah. was doing, yeah. like the LSD that Elvis was doing, that because LSD in the 60s was given to people by their doctors. Yeah. Um, um, and which also Carrie Grant did but I read that book when I was like six like not six I was probably okay. eight-ish you know and yeah, I would just pick so up in the library and my mom's like eh, whatever you know it'll be good for her but I knew all this she stuff. gotta learn sometime gotta learn sometime but I mean I remember this is probably I, why I you just, didn't do LSD like I, I think I, I might have missed her. out Heather, I am <laughs> telling you, I have always been a person who has learned from other people's experiences yeah. from the time I was a very small child. I've read so many inappropriate things, but because I experienced those inappropriate things, I was like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I am good. I, I, I definitely remember you pointing out the joy of sex book on your mom's bookshelf when we were kids. <laughs> yeah, right. learned all about that moving no along <laughs> so okay so you haven't seen this new movie which no. is a big I mean it's a big deal right now it's I you guess. know but I just again I feel like I have such a long-standing relationship with Elvis that Austin Butler guy really just does not he's not who I envision in my head like I don't want to see a movie where someone plays Elvis you know what yeah. I mean and like so, I understand that the Presley family is like very supportive of him um but I just, I'm not comfortable with it. And that's all that matters to me. So let me say, because I watched this movie and this movie is like three hours long. Like that's too it long. was my whole night. I remember like I had to take breaks and like go do other things. And my husband's like, are we going to watch this? I'm like, this is a lot for me to process. <laughs> like, honestly, I did not know. And I need to take a break and process what I just learned and come back. So I think I have like a unique position here because as i said earlier people mm -hmm. in our age group should know this already i just didn't because i wasn't really an elvis person right and so i think movie, anyone who isn't an elvis person wouldn't so the movie is crafted for sure for like my kids age like i have a 17 year old i would say like that gen what is it gen z now or the millennials i don't know it's definitely so I movie. was told it was just a, a typical Baz Luhrmann, like Moulin Rouge or something like that. Moulin Rouge is absolutely what comes to mind. I okay. thought that the whole time I was like, this is so much like Moulin well, it's just Rouge. just his style. Okay, that makes sense that that's the same guy then. Because I was like, why do I keep getting Moulin Rouge vibes? But they made an artistic view of decades, right? Mm -hmm. And they made it entertaining. So I think people in our generation, when we're talking about a biopic about Elvis, we're expecting like, boom, 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 facts, facts, facts. Yeah. You know, uh, go from one intense scenario to the next in a chronological order. And I think that's I th why they didn't do that, though, because I don't think that today's yeah. generation is interested in that. No one cares. No, about and Elvis it would have right taken now. 10 hours 
to capture what I think they needed to tell. So they picked an artistic view of his younger years to just paint a picture, really. Not to actually say that this is how it happened. Because most of these movies, we know, most of these movies about famous musicians are more of like an artistic portrayal of what feels good to an audience. Like that Bohemian Rhapsody movie butchered Mm -hmm. the facts but got like best picture of the year because people just loved hearing it that way. But that's not what it really was like. It just got to the point where they can express what happened and when he died. Like they were Mm -hmm. trying to get to this point that they could make. So this movie was about painting a picture so you can get to a point because you wanted to make a point about Colonel Parker. Yeah. That's the point. That's And so for the whole first hour, I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we floating in the air above these giant scenarios that are just made to be like works of art that I know is not what Elvis's life was really like. But once we got to the last third of the movie, because I, I, I'd say the, the middle part, I'm like, okay, this has got to be, there's got to be a payoff. There's a reason they did that. So I got invested. I'm like, okay. You're going to tell me something I don't know. And I'm going to be like floored. So I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to wait. And they did finally. And I say the final third of the movie, they get to like what they wanted to tell, which is really about the Colonel Parker and how he pretty much controlled and destroyed this beautiful human's life. Mm -hmm. And that really impacted me because Again, they couldn't have told that story in less than 10 hours any other way, I think. And so in order to keep that younger audience in the seats mm-hmm. and keep their attention, because if you didn't know anything about Elvis at all, that would probably all be interesting, right? Because again, very Moulin Rouge, very artistic. Mm-hmm. But to me, I'm like, I know that this isn't how it went. Yeah. But what I didn't know is what was happening behind the scenes. And it did tell that story. And I think it told it very persuasively that Elvis was a victim of a really horrible situation where he was exploited in the way that most women, I would say that my, that was my takeaway. This is how we've mostly treated women that we wanted to be famous. And here's an example of a man that we exploited a hundred percent. Yeah. just for capitalist gains and it's disgusting and it makes me super sad yeah totally okay so that makes sense to me and i now can understand why the presley family was so supportive of this film yeah. um because i think that if you don't know anything about Elvis, mm-hmm. then the story like he kind of just seems like a sad, a sad 70s man or whatever. Um, sure. And you just wouldn't, you know, when I was growing up, I watched a lot of black and white movies. The 50s were still like not that far away. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was just 30 years, not, to, you know, in the, tw- you know, 20 something years before I was born. And it wasn't that far away. My grandparents lived through it. You know, my mm-hmm. parents were born during the 50s. Yeah. But kids today are so far removed from that time period like you know we dressed up as like hippies in school you know I mean it's just like I mean 
kids today are so far removed from that. So there would be absolutely no reason for children or anybody born in, in today to be into Elvis at all or to be into that story at all. Although I have Unless you friends see, who I have friends who have kids that they've raised to look Elvis. But that's the thing. Like, obviously, my kid will know who Elvis is, you know, yeah. but unless you have a but reason. The good Elvis. Like, there the are happy... lots of people who, you know, don't don't understand that, you know, so um, or who aren't going to introduce their kids because they just weren't into Elvis. The end, you know. But there's an Elvis station on Sirius XM. Yeah, there's also so been. we listen to it that but that's the reason I'm just saying that's the reason my kid my older kid knows anything mm. about Elvis yeah but that's what I'm saying so it's like the younger generation is going to be interested especially especially this current generation is going to be very interested in someone who was wronged yeah um like how if we if the colonel had not been there and he had played out how would that Elvis story have really actually gone you know what I mean like how big I've would thought he about that you I've know what I mean about like, that. because the music that he was playing honestly he was really way more into doing like gospel music and yeah. country music Elvis think... probably wouldn't have been like a really huge sensation after he grew up because he was changing his music with the times and mm -hmm. Elvis wasn't going to be like a disco star you know what I mean so it's just like yeah I don't I, think I really don't think very much the same very sad story like Jerry Lee Lewis I think it would have been a flame that burned bright because it brought something really new what it was really doing was awakening women mm -hmm. I think that's the takeaway I get like everything before had been so mundane and then you start to see with the Beatles and Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis like women start to go crazy because this music is tapping into something that has been dampened Taboo. in them for yeah generations not just mm -hmm. in their lifetime but in generations something that wasn't even allowed to be thought about or spoke about like you're supposed to go and please your husband and be great in the bed but outside of that you're just supposed to be this prudish you know christian woman and i think it like gave women permission or at least an agency where they could tap into something that reached them on a deeper level and it yeah. ushered in a whole new era but we know very well that jerry lee lewis burned bright and burned out <laughs> another thing though when we talk about differences with jerry lee lewis because you're bringing up jerry lee lewis a lot but jerry lee lewis really wrote very little music um you know and he was very he did the whole lot of shaken song which he stole directly from blues players yeah and that's how he became famous but so and then he got banned which was sort of his cancel culture that actually made him more yeah. famous but so i think that one one difference too is that so elvis was like a total womanizer and there you know were a lot of problematic things in his life but on the spec on the other side of that he was very heavily involved in giving money to charity and building up memphis and like the area around him in tennessee like because elvis grew up yeah. super 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 poor like yeah. i've been to that little tiny tiny one room home in tupelo where he was born multiple times um yeah. and like, and i've never even been to graceland like that's where we're at wow. 
Yeah. And it's like, I've been to these places multiple times and, you know, he grew up super, super, super poor. And this is the same. It's a very, I don't, I don't want to compare the two, but it's kind of like, you know, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton has all these problems with women, Mm -hmm. but he grew up super, super, super poor. And he grew up around mostly like black people and he grew up around poor black people. And that was Mm -hmm. like the life that he lived. And that was the life that Elvis and his parents lived. Elvis's father went to prison for writing a bad check or like trying to cash a bad check. And, you know, he was alone with his mother during that time. And, you know, he knew poor and he did a lot in his community. There are still charities today that he started, um, you know, and so it's just kind of like, I think that he would have done more because there were other aspects to his personality than just making the music and womanizing, you know, whereas there are some people like I don't want to call Jerry Lee Lewis stupid you know or anything like that but I mean I think that like Elvis wanted to be a serious actor I think it's far more likely that if Mm -hmm. the colonel weren't involved he would have probably moved like done more of like gospel and maybe country music and then yeah. been in been in serious films like he wanted to do a Star Is Born and the Colonel wouldn't let him you know instead of Chris Christopherson yeah. like there yeah. were things that he really really wanted to do and I have a feeling that he would have moved in a completely different direction um, away oh, instead of yeah. burning you know burning the... big and bright and burning out I think he would have just gone in a totally different mm-hmm. direction um, you know so it's yeah. just kind and he of would like, be respected but yeah. he. But he was the first, and I think, I bring up the Beatles because I think we saw a movement happening, like, that had maybe not been mainstream before, but I really feel like Elvis was the first pop star, and when I say pop, I mean uh, a, a talented musician, true star is born material right here, who was plucked up by the capitalist venture in the form of colonel parker and then completely perverted Mm -hmm. and exploited to the nth degree that's what stuck out to me about this elvis movie is how it showed where it deviated yeah where elvis went from just being like a provocative star who was doing something unique that girls Mm -hmm. were responding to to how he became like a marketing you know phenomena mm-hmm. and the colonel was the bridge to marketing phenomena made him a pop star made him a backstreet boy like all this that has come michael jackson everything through i mean yeah you think about that movie a star is born that just came out with um bradley cooper mm-hmm. and lady gaga she's the pervert she's that character yeah. she plays the pure singer songwriter who gets picked up by the industry and then just sold to the most perverted version of herself and he kills himself bradley cooper's character mm-hmm. over watching her or some other issues but that's sort of kind of the reasoning yeah is watching her get us be a sellout yeah and Elvis was well, the first big time, like the biggest yeah. of big time sellouts. 
And I, and think, I don't think he wanted it. I think no. he got and like the whole it. time, the whole time when you when you read stuff that like his close confidants, you know, said the whole time he would go, you know, would talk about how he did not like it really 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 was an inner struggle for him seeing this Mm -hmm. unfold like his life unfold this way but then also feeling like he should be super grateful because he didn't have anything before you know and and that's i think the the poison they feed you Mm -hmm. and i think that's why the poor artists yeah that have that right mix of good looks and talent are the best to exploit think of the Think of the new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. These were poor inner city Boston kids who came from meager backgrounds. This opportunity for them was life altering mm-hmm. for us at what 10. It's everything like we're yeah. eating it up. We are like live, you know, real time loving it. But in reality, it's exploitation mm-hmm. of that. These kids had some talent and yeah. their entire lives were altered and some of it not for the like right. John, John Knight's now hosting an HGTV show like I actually think that's really brilliant because I think I that's like, probably I what like he wanted to do his entire life anyway I like, like the show I think he's but doing exactly what he wanted he he but he got that opportunity because he's John Knight mm-hmm. you know not because he's the best farmhouse you know what i'm saying but it's like continuing to exploit yeah him uh, the whole thing makes me really sick you know i remember yeah. being made fun of because i like in fifth grade for loving new kids on the block how could you not but it's the same thing it was just they plucked up these young attractive mm-hmm. talented kids from their families who had nothing like it doesn't work if you do it from some well i mean what i family. always see when we talk about plucking people up who have a little bit of talent and then ruining their lives is sports people yeah this happens all the time with especially like basketball stars and you know Mm -hmm. we hear all this drama like they're doing all these really horrible things and being caught with like drugs in a stripper's house and you know murdering their well yeah because they had they had absolutely no guidance they're Mm -hmm. taken from like really bad situations or really rough situations and then they're given all this money and they're told you can do whatever you want with it just play that game you know and it's like and then they're just discarded you know they're just Mm -hmm. discarded like as soon as they break their hand or they do you know you know there's a there's a limit there's an age limit on all of this stuff and it's usually about 35 40 you know and like and then these people are just completely discarded and they they never emotionally evolved past you know whatever age they were plucked from you know and like I uh, think that that's yes like really this makes typical. me this makes me want to talk about Corey Feldman so I'm gonna say like let's tap that for another podcast we have to because I oh my uh, gosh I would love I, mm, I've yeah. I, so remember I said I'm cracking the door open to like some pipe like I'm letting some stuff in I'm learning about Corey Feldman. So here's what I'm going to need for you to do before we have this conversation (laughs) about it. And, and listeners, if this doesn't get cut, you do it too. Go back (laughs) and watch the wife swap with Corey Feldman and his angels. Like you absolutely 100% have to watch this. Okay. And then I'm going to tell you this off, 
off the record. Okay, off the record. Off the record when I worked for the animal place. I'm sure I told you this before. Um, so he was like, we dealt with him all the time because he and my boss were like buddies or whatever. And he was buddies with a lot of the guys I worked with. So he would like, he would come to all of our events. Like I've dealt with Corey Feldman way too many, like too many times to count. I've almost run over him in my car accidentally on Sunset Boulevard. Um, he did a, he did a, um, we wanted him to do a, a music thing to raise money, a fundraiser um, at the Roxy and which was like a block away from where I worked. And he would only do it if we would pay for his security team security team kelly security this man team. is so damaged and I, that but i'm saying like, that, that's no what, like I, no that's idea. what i'm saying like he is a person who's been abused mm-hmm. who is damaged and i'm just now starting but so was to, Corey Haim, and that's why Corey Haim's dead yeah well and he's not dead like he is continuing on but then i get worried because this is my other thing is like when people have been harmed they've been abused they've been damaged what ripple effects do they mm-hmm. then put into the world? And I am concerned for Corey Feldman because that man does not live in reality. Okay, listen. At all, we are going to have to absolutely do an episode about this because okay. I have no idea what new Corey Feldman information is out. Do you know about this to... band? Do you know his band? I just told you that we were going to get him to play at the Roxy. Oh but my he god. Had to have... He's had a so band for do like you know years. that he is blaming Marilyn Manson single-handedly for infiltrating his band and destroying his career? Okay. He lives on other planets. Pause this. I'm going to do some research about this, about the Marilyn Manson thing. <laughs> Marilyn Manson is a whole situation too. And we got to wrap this oh, podcast yeah. up because... I no, gotta... this is not in the podcast at all. No, no, no. Uh, but okay. I mean, we gotta like get back to, to Elvis. I just jumped into the Corey Feldman world. Like, but I that's just so weird because to me, Corey him. Feldman is not even like in the world anymore. Like, He's I haven't heard anything about Corey Feldman in a long time. But I, you have to watch the wife swap. You have to because if you're like, he's not in the world. I'm like Heather. He was when I'm sorry. When was he in the world? <laughs> or, or I'm go back so and watch. concerned like I go back and watch I've just recently watched Stand By Me isn't he in Stand By Me yeah go back okay, and I watch some recently of the watched that again. I still think of him as like a 12 year old kid looking for a dead body no this boy has been so fucked up since he was a little kid okay yeah. so here's another thing this, okay so a guy that I used to work with who runs a fake nonprofit now where he actually is in Ukraine saving Ukrainians um probably probably like actually like just just having sex with a bunch of Ukrainian women um so I used to work with this guy I used to work with this guy who um was really good friends with Corey Feldman and Corey Haim Mm. and would go to a a poker game with them so he the guy I knew was a stuntman for a long time Mm mm-hmm and um very good looking very like suave very like you know whatever but he worked at the animal place for a while as an investigator um and he would play poker with these guys and the same manager who molested Corey Haim and Corey Feldman um paid this guy five hundred dollars to shit on him why 
Why would you pay for that service? A really small I feel like world, I should be though. getting paid. Like, I feel like that's a service you pay some person you hate to endure. Like, just, I'm just telling you that, like, this is how, I mean, these are my connections. <laughs> so, Kelly, I think it's clear there's way more to say about yes. this than we have time for today. And I think there's way more to say about way more other things. So, yeah, this easily is could be a catalyst for this is just the beginning yes we are just cracking open the door of scandal money wealth political power using the legal system yeah to persecute people like this is the stuff that really gets me excited so Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm here for it i hope our listeners are here for it as always let us know uh tell me something real podcast at gmail.com or you can always message us here at Anchor. And hey, by the way, throw us up a five-star review yes, wherever you please. listen to your podcast. Uh, so like on Spotify, you've got to get so many reviews before they even mm-hmm. start to register it. So just head over to Spotify. It's free. Or Apple, wherever Apple. you listen to your podcast. Give us a five-star um, review. And that actually just helps more people find us. So yeah. And if you, if you love have- it. If you have an army hammer story, if he's branded you, or if you have an Elvis story that you would like to talk about, because I am always really interested because like I said, I grew up with Elvis. I grew up being obsessed. My grandparents, I had the option. This probably explains our our friendship, Heather. When I was like six or seven, my dad and his family went to DC Mm-hmm. And my grandparents were going to Graceland and I got to choose who I, where I wanted to go. And I was like, I screw you DC. DC. Right. I was like, screw <laughs> you DC. I'm going to Graceland. Um, and, and I've been and to DC, but never Graceland. <laughs> so I've still never been go. to DC, but I've been to Graceland multiple times. Yeah. So yeah, there we go. So yeah. Tell us your stories if you have them. And if the Elvis movie changed, like opened your you know, your, your eyes to things that you didn't know before or change your perspective. Or if you thought it sucked. Yeah. Tell us that too. I want to hear about it. Cause I haven't it seen it. I want to, and I, I need maybe to Maybe don't see it. I'm thinking Kelly, maybe to. don't see it. Just talk to people who have seen it, who didn't know anything. Cause mm. that's, I think that's where the juicy is. Like for nice. me, I was like, Whoa, now, cause it made me then want to go research the real story and I've never been in any way interested in researching more about Elvis cool all right so, so hit us up let so us know thank you everything. again Tom Hanks coming through for me as usual every p- possible movie like you just enlighten me on every account so yeah he was the greatest Colonel Parker nobody could have played that role and there's nobody I would rather hate and loves and Tom Hanks. So. That's a major compliment. Yeah, I guess. No, I, th- I think he very intentionally picked that role. Yeah, because I think he knew that people love him enough that they're willing to take this journey with him mm-hmm. into hating him. Yeah, that makes that's sense what you to have to do. And it was, I thought it was phenomenal. And I want to just say one more quick thing: the guy, the Butler guy, Austin Butler. Austin Butler. So no, he's not for our generation. Okay. He's the Elvis. He's the look of Elvis that I think the younger Elvis generation, 2.0. yeah, can relate to. I oh, think okay, they can connect with that look, 
and then get invested and the point is to tell the story mm-hmm. it's not about is that the guy that looks like elvis the most or is even tom Hanks the most colonel parkery type guy out there it's the people that could tell that story where yeah. people would pay attention who needed to know and that's why it was done that way and i definitely think his parents elvis's parents were the driving force behind that movie because they get very favorable light no like one of the most important part of his parts of his story was that he she died when he was 23 and he was insanely close to her and it like completely screwed him up yeah yeah no i think okay so that must have been just like that's in there but i think it definitely thing no i think it was definitely about trying because it was the younger years for sure about setting up it i feel like it would have been her version gotcha if she could have told the early years and then picking up with his family and what they were seeing as it went on from there because it very much seemed like from his family side i should say maybe gotcha that makes sense to me yeah Okay. okay well go watch the movie i i just gotta say go watch the elvis movie not you kelly don't watch not it. me not you everybody else if you don't know about elvis watch the movie come back tell us we'll bring you on the podcast we will talk about it i want to talk <laughs> to people about this so well this was a weird episode kelly <laughs> army hammer to elvis probably one of my favorites to talk about <laughs> so i love weird. it I've had a good time. All right. Well, until next time, Kelly, have a great week. And everybody else, keep it real.